The grass is always greener when the fields all mine And I'll lose my hero's journey as the years go by And this story's still unwritten, there's no sense of time Oh my, oh my I live out alone, no room for yourself I'm trying to focus, it's my story Trying to live a freer life Crazy days becoming like a thief at night I got my peace of mind Telling me to fight Stay with my air lights Cause we see a light Till the fire next time I'ma need a light to guide me So much going on outside me I wonder why we Do the things we do In loneliness In search of solitude I deal with the same issues That my father do With every molecule And cell in my body I'm human as well But I dwell with the godly I hardly scratch the surface Of my purpose I had money and I still felt worthless Hope this earth tell a story of this journey of mine On the path to the divine, still searching for signs And I'm running round in circles Flying high above the ground And I'm searching out the echoes And the signs of who Be my refuge, my haven in the storm. Will you keep the embers warm when my fire's all but gone? Will you remember and bring me sprigs of rosemary? Be my sanctuary till I can carry on, carry on. Carry on This one knocked me to the ground This one dropped me to my knees I should have seen it coming But it surprised me Will you be my refuge? My haven in the storm Will you keep the embers warm When my fire's all but gone? Will you remember and 
Bring me spring to rosemary, be my sanctuary till I can carry on, carry on, carry on. In a state of true believers, on streets called us and them, it's gonna take some time till the world feels safe again. Will you be my refuge, my haven in the storm? Will you keep the embers warm when my fire's all but gone? Will you remember and bring me sprigs of rosemary? Be my sanctuary till I can carry on, carry on. Here we
My name is Kevin Mercer, and my pronouns are he and his. I'm a member of your board of trustees, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Giddy, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders, volunteers, and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us connected. Whomever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning we encourage you to fill out the visitor form either in the lobby or online and connect with us in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. And finally, for those attending uh, worship service here at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. And of course, I have a few announcements. Newcomers to UUCC are welcome to join Reverend Page for a Q&A on Unitarian Universalism and UUCC in room 170 at 1130 today as part of the Newcomer class series. Stop by the Values, Missions, and Ends Shepherding Committee table after service to see how you can contribute your voice to define our community's values, mission, and ends. And while you're at coffee hour, stop by the green table to make a donation to our nourishing garden fence. Join members of the nominating committee, board of trustees, and the endowment board for two info sessions to learn more about what it means to serve in a seat on any of those three entities. Join us next Sunday at 1130 in room 116 or on Zoom on Tuesday, February the 7th at 630. That being said, the nominating committee is accepting nominations for several seats and welcomes anyone interested to email nomcom at uucolumbia.net. And if things went right, it should be here if you're in the sanctuary and here if you're watching online. The nominating committee will present a slate of candidates for consideration at this year's annual meeting. We are seeking a second vice president, a secretary, and an at-large board member for the Board of Trustees, two nominating committee members, and one member for the Endowment Board. And finally, join Reverend Paige Getty, Michael Adcock, and Colette Gelwick on Saturday, February the 11th, from one to four, here in our sanctuary to learn to serve as a worship associate. If you would love to serve the community in this way but cannot attend, please let Reverend Paige or Colette know. And now, we get an announcement from Kelly Daniker, our religious education associate, <laughs> assistant. We'll get it out. 
Thank you. Good morning, UCC. So as we just talked about, our congregation is currently engaged in a process of reimagining our values, missions, and ends. We're taking time to evaluate our congregational priorities and decide how we want to move forward in the world. We're taking time to imagine our future. As part of that process, our values, missions, and ends committee is looking for input from the future of our congregation, our children. We're inviting kids five, age five to 12 to join us on February 12th from 12 to 1.30. We're gonna spend some time playing games, making wishes about our congregational future, and then we're gonna see those wishes expressed through painting, drawing, block building, sculpture, the sky's the limit. The information we collect will be shared with the committee and will be a real part of their work moving forward. I think it's a great, great opportunity for the voices of our kids to be heard. I truly hope you'll consider joining us. If you need any more information, you can come see me after service, email me anytime, and I hope you'll consider coming with your family to dream about the future of UUCC. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Good morning. Good morning, all of you here in the sanctuary. Those of you joining us remotely today, my name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it is my honor and privilege to serve as minister of this congregation. And I'm so glad to be with you in person this morning. 
And back in Maryland, you can uh, find an order of service online if you'd like to follow along on your own mobile device. There's a QR code or a URL in the chat that you can use to find it. Also, for those of you here in the sanctuary, if you're having trouble hearing and need a hearing assistance device, those are available from the tech team in the sound booth at the back of the room, so please don't hesitate to ask. Those of you who are guests, we do want to get to know you better and stay in touch, so please fill out that visitor form that's available either online or at one of the welcome tables in the lobby, upstairs or down. And later in the service today, as is our custom, we will give voice to the joys and sorrows of members of the community. So if you have one of those that you would like to have spoken on your behalf today, please put it in the Joys and Sorrows book at the back of the room or send it to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. A word of thanks to everyone who's contributed to this morning's service. We intend for this service today to be informative in part, but also nourishing, comforting, and challenging as we anticipate an extended ministerial sabbatical beginning in just a couple of months. Special thanks to Valerie Shu and the sabbatical committee. You're gonna hear from each of the lay members of that committee this morning. To Alex Cawthon-Zach, who's up here for her first time in the role of worship associate. Welcome, Alex. And of course, to Tom for the music and all the staff and volunteers working so vigilantly throughout the week and in the background today. We're gathering at the end of another week fraught with heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, infuriating news. From the beating death of Tyree Nichols at the hands of police officers, to more gun violence and death, to discord and upheaval right here in the leadership of our own town of Columbia. And so this morning in our gathering, we hold all of that. And we know that each of us arrives as well, holding the fullness that is our own life, all of the grief and the pride and the celebration and the anxiety, the peace. So whoever you are and however you've arrived today, heartbroken, wounded and raw, lonely, tired, energized, joyful, you are welcome just as you are. May your spirit receive the sustenance that it needs today. So let us take a grounding, centering breath and let us worship. And now I welcome sabbatical committee member John Harris to the microphone. He has a reading that he's chosen to use as a dedication for our flaming chalice, which I will light as John reads. Good morning. 
As Paige stated, I am John Harris, and my pronouns are he, him, and his. And my reading this morning is kind of a, the sabbatical is for not only Paige, but for us also, which you'll hear later on. So this is kind of a reflection on how we should act with each other. The choices you make today will be different choices tomorrow. What you decide is a course of action today will be the course of action presented itself tomorrow with new sets of choices. They are not always easy ones to make or nor they should be made in haste. Think hard about the choices places ahead of you and decide wisely. My advice to you is to make the choices in love. Wrap yourself up in a blanket of love and then approach life with love-laden heart. The choice at that point may still be tough, but we made coming from a viewpoint of love, a feeling of love, not from fear. In this way, we will advance towards the light of the divine. When you let love lead you forward, then all your decisions are correct. And this is from a book called Love is Here and Now by Carrie Mortison. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Alex Conthenzak. My pronouns are she, her. Closer to the microphone. Hello. <laughs> I'm Alex Conthenzak. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I believe next we will be reading our congregational covenant. If you will stand as you are able, we will speak our words together. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. If you'll take a few moments now, please greet your neighbor and enjoy the company of your fellow congregants. Hey. John. Hi, John, Guy, and Dale. Hello, Vernon. Dan. Everybody. Hello, Vernon. Hi, Vernon. Morning, everybody. Hi, Flo. Hi, John. Hello, Flo. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hello, Carol. Lovely to see everybody. Hi, Julia. Hello, Kathy. Love you all. Who else? Nice. Good morning. Stuart. Hi, Ariel. Hello, Good morning, everybody. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Hi, Hi, Mary Ruth. Hi, Mary Oh, 
Good morning again. Ooh, I got a little feedback. Uh, my name is Kelly Daneker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to be your religious education assistant. I saw a few kids in the house this morning, so if you would like to come make your way down, you may. Um, you are also welcome to stay where you are, but that means the grown-ups are going to be put on the spot, so there you go. <laughs> So I'm wondering if any of you here today have ever had a daydream. Anyone ever had a daydream, right? You're fully awake, you're trying to complete a task, and you find your mind has wandered off. Often, when we're daydreaming, we're told to snap out of it. But what if instead of snapping out of it, we instead allowed ourselves to fall into it? It is estimated that we spend up to 50% of every day daydreaming. And so learning to lean into it, make it valuable and constructive, probably isn't the worst idea. Researchers tell us that daydreaming is the place where the mind can imagine a future for itself, make an internal home for realizing our deepest desires and strivings, and figure out who we really are and what we really want. In a very real way, daydreaming is like taking a sabbatical, a break from our day to explore possibilities and make new connections. Daydreaming is not the same kind of dreaming we experience when we're asleep. When your mind takes over, you have no control. Daydreaming gives us the ability to decide where our dreaming takes us. That being said, all daydreams are not equal. Often, we let our minds wander, right? And the negative thoughts start coming in, causes anxiety. Jerome Elsinger, who is known as the father of daydreaming, found in his 50-plus years of research on the topic that there are three kinds of daydreaming, and the one that we should aim for is called positive, constructive daydreaming. Or, as doctor and author Srinri Pillay puts it, daydreaming that rocks. And this form of daydreaming can take a little bit of practice. Productive, constructive daydreaming opens our minds to new connections. So we're going to practice this morning making some new connections. So if I showed you a piece of paper and a pencil, what's the natural connection between these two items? Anyone? You're right, right? I'm going to write. What's another connection? I see it, and I think, there's another connection. Anybody else see a connection with the paper and pencil? Anyone? I know it's going to be tough to get. Oh, what's that? Say that one more time. They're both white. Ooh, I did not see that coming. Nicely done. They're both white. Any other connections? Yep, in the back. Ooh, how fun, <laughs> right? I won't actually do it. I'm sure you're grateful, but that excellent. And the, all the way in the back. They're both made of wood. This room is so good, right? All right. One more. So if I showed you a bowl and a spoon, right? Natural connection. Anyone else see anything else? Cereal. <laughs> My husband actually had that cereal bowl as a child, yes. <laughs> and yep, over here. Oh, I was hoping someone would say drum. Yay. Anybody else? Any more? Any more? Oh, oh. She's going to test me there. 
We're going to pretend that I just did that. Ah. <laughs> in, a few, in several weeks' time, we're going to send the beloved Paige, uh, Reverend Paige Getty off to sabbatical. We're going to send her off so that her mind has the space to imagine the future, to make an internal home for realizing deep desires and strivings, and to wonder about new possibilities and connections. And while she's away, our congregation will join her and we'll also take some time to envision the way forward. And so during this sabbatical season, I wish for all of us a time of daydreaming that rocks. Please join me in singing our children to class. <laughs> Whenever there is a fifth Sunday in the month, it is our custom to collect a special offering for the Cradle Rock Children's Center, which is a nonprofit, value-based children care, child care center right here in our building downstairs. It was founded by members of UUCC 18 years ago. Today, we'll hear from Julie Miller about her family's experiences with the center. Hi, my name is Julie Miller, and my children, Maddox, who's four, and Quinn, who's two, attend Cradle Rock Children's Center, and I've been asked to say a few words about our decision to choose the center and our experience with it. Um, so I just wanted to, to tell you a little bit about why we chose it uh, first. Uh, it was about 15 months ago, maybe 18 months at this point. Uh, we were looking for uh, a center to move to from our in-home daycare. We were looking for something with more structure and more socialization for our kids. Um, and we had neighbors who raved about the center and some other acquaintances who uh, went there as well. Um, so we decided to check it out. And, um, you know, initially one of the things that really uh, stuck out to us um, was that the price point was a little more affordable than other some of the big centers around. Um, we're a family that lives paycheck to paycheck with a really strict budget, so um, being able to um, have a more affordable option um, was great for us. And, you know, that said, we never really feel like we sacrificed quality on that. Um, so we actually feel like we're, we might be having a better experience than some of the people who are in some of the other centers in the area um, that kind of operate like a, a big business or um, aren't as, as personal uh, as, as what we feel we have uh, with Cradle Rock. Um, so yeah, we've been really uh, impressed um, that the staff, the teachers are, are very communicative. They're very supportive. Um, they they treat our children like, like their own family and um, we always feel um, really happy with all the teachers. And, you know, I talk to other parents um, and, and have made friends with them, and no one has a bad word to say about Cradle Rock and the staff. And I keep, you know, telling other people who, who know that I go there too, you know, they, they keep asking questions about it, and I'm happy to, to share my experience with them. Um, you know, my children are, are learning so much. Uh, my four-year-old's coming home with words that – and. and stories that, you know, are just mind-blowing, the things that he's learning. Uh, my two-year-old is so happy. She's singing songs and, and dancing and um, coming home with all this fun stuff that she's doing with her class. 
Um, and we get to watch it throughout the day on, um, on an app where they can share photos and videos with updates about the kids, which we love too. So overall, uh, we are so grateful for um, being part of Cradle Rock and for the experience that we've had so far. We're so grateful for those who support Cradle Rock and for the staff and the teachers. And um, we, we have nothing but positive things to say. So thank you everyone for your support and thank you Cradle Rock for a great experience. Thank you for your generosity in contributing to the Cradle Rock Children's Center so that they can continue to serve families like the Millers. You may contribute electronically following the instructions on the screen, or you may put a cash or check in the basket at the rear of the sanctuary. And thank you. Gone fishing. There's a sign upon the door. Gone fishing. You ain't working anymore. There's the hoe out in the sun. We left a row undone. You said that ain't no fun. I ain't got no ambition. Gone fishing in a shady, weighty pool. Gone fishing. I could be that kind of fool. I'd say no more work for mine. On my door, I'd hang a sign. Gone fishing. Instead of just a wishing. Good morning. My name is Jody Brown and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. On behalf of the sabbatical committee, I am letting you all know that this summer, Reverend Paige Getty will be taking five months of sabbatical leave from April 1st to August 31st, 2023. A sabbatical is a period of time when Reverend Paige will step away from her usual responsibilities to UCC and instead take time for rest and rejuvenation, study, and discernment. This sabbatical has been in the planning process for almost a year. Some of you may have heard something about the sabbatical already. In UU congregations, it is traditional for ministers to take sabbatical leave every four to seven years. You may remember Reverend Page's previous sabbaticals in 2010 and 2015. You can read the relevant section of Reverend Page's contract on our sabbatical webpage at uucolumbia.net slash sabbatical. In Reverend Page's absence, staff members and lay leaders will be stepping up to ensure that things run smoothly. Worship services, pastoral care, religious education programming, and all the activities of our community will continue as usual. This is also an opportunity for the congregation to contemplate who we are and who we want to be in the world. One aspect of this will be our collective work on our values, mission, and ends. These themes of discernment, intention, and contemplation are some of what we will explore together in today's service. You may have questions about the sabbatical. We encourage you to consult the list of frequently asked questions on the sabbatical webpage. You can also email the sabbatical committee at sabbatical at uucolumbia.net. The sabbatical committee members are Jill Christensen, John Harris, Kirsten Nelson, and me, along with UUCC Executive Director Valerie Shu. Look out for future blog posts from the sabbatical committee, staff, lay leaders, and Reverend Page herself to learn about plans for the upcoming sabbatical, reflections on previous sabbaticals, and the benefits of sabbatical leave for both Reverend Page and UCC. Hello again. 
I'm back here to discuss the politics of time with you, a most precious resource. Not that long ago, the concept of time was a lot more hazy than it is today. People got up with the sun, and they worked from when you can see until you can't. People measured time by such things as length of shadows, the weather changing, and how long it took candles to burn down indoors. For important events, church bells tolled to call people together at times determined by sundials. Time was local. Then we learned to make machines. Factories sprang up to assemble standardized goods, and trains were needed to export things from precise places at exact times. Gone were the rhythms of craftspeople who would weave their work and home life together throughout the day organically. Clocks no longer stood as masterpieces of art and science that only the wealthy could afford, but evolved into pocket watches and mantle clocks that most homes could afford. Time became a commodity to be bought, owned, and used as efficiently as possible. The Industrial Revolution certainly made life much better for a great many of people, but often at large cost. Small children with nimble fingers worked around the clock for little pay, and people perished in horrible fires and accidents as they toiled in unsafe buildings. Society listened. We pushed back for better working conditions and succeeded. We got child labor laws, the weekend, minimum wage, and safer workspaces. Well, glad we got that done, right? On to the next thing. I wish. Sadly, no. Lest we think that securing workers' rights is a one and done, this is just not so. I read a fascinating book recently that really opened my eyes. On the Clock, What Low-Wage Work Did to Me and How It Drives America Insane by Emily, and I'll try to get this right, Gundelsberger. When the small newspaper where she worked as a reporter closed, she decided to do a project. She would find a job at three most commonly accessible entry wage level positions and document her experiences. First was an Amazon warehouse in Kentucky. There she found miles of concrete to walk with a handheld scanner that, took, that measured each second of each task that she did and beeped if she wasn't on time, urging her to do better. A support call center, a support line call center in North Carolina was the next place where she worked. Every single second of that job was timed and measured and judged, even bathroom breaks. Lastly, she worked at a McDonald's in San Francisco that had been engineered to always have the least amount of staff possible to fulfill orders if they worked at peak capacity, always. The jobs had been stripped of any nod to dignity, autonomy, or basic humanity. Gundelsberger ended her year exhausted, grateful to return to her white-collar living. Of course, things are always changing. Times of up upheaval are good for that. In 2020, our busy world ground to a halt when COVID cut through humanity. Suddenly, it was dangerous to work together in buildings, and many found themselves at home, again blending office and home life to get their work done. Those left to man jobs in person found themselves both valued and abused. Many took a hard look at their lives and either resigned or found ways to pull back from the relentless ticking of the clock. To break this all down to something personal, 
This past year, my husband, Christopher Zach, decided to quit working as an IT security professional for a year and take a break. After COVID and lockdown and Zoom fatigue, he was worn out. I don't want to have time off when I'm too old to use it, he said. I asked Chris for an elevator speech and he said, the first three months were critical. I really began to unwind. After that, I traveled, I took a piano class, did Tai Chi and worked on projects around the house. It was so worth it, but really the first three months were the most valuable. Everyone should have that kind of time off. Over the course of the year, Chris found some consulting work and picked up a teaching job at the Howard Community College. As he looks to end his sabbatical, fingers crossed, I think he's found a great place to work next. We know that we are very privileged in that we had enough money saved up that he could do this. But this kind of break is so necessary to renew and recharge, returning to outward work with vigor. Paid sabbatical isn't even an option for most jobs in America. And why not? Why can't we include meaningful time off in our contracts for all workers? It's a question worth asking again and again until we get an answer. If you will rise as you are able, please join us in singing hymn 352, Find a Stillness. Thank you, Alex. So in the spring of 2009, as I was completing my sixth year of service as minister of UUCC, the board of trustees and committee on ministry and I recognized that there was this part of my letter of agreement, the contract, if you will, between minister and congregation that needed attention. The part that says the minister shall use sabbatical leave for study, education, writing, meditation, and other forms of professional and religious growth, and that sabbatical leave accrues at the rate of one month per year of service 
with leave to be taken after four years, but before seven. That seven-year mark was rapidly approaching, and we knew that if this were to be a long-term ministry, which we had agreed we all desired, then sabbatical was critical for all of us. Sabbatical is a gift, a privilege, although, as Alex said, it should be more of a right for all of us and not only a privilege granted to academics and clergy. But it is a gift, a gift to me as your minister. And it's not merely altruistic. Sabbatical is also a practical investment in the health and vitality of a congregational system. Long-term ministries are not always healthy. They can become entrenched, habitual, dull, but they can be healthy as long as all parties to that ministry are invested in growth and learning and self-reflection, integrity, as long as the relationship evolves with changing needs and changing times. But the time and space for that kind of growth and learning and self-reflection, it's limited in the regular routine of organizational life. It happens in bits and pieces during times of study leave, professional development days, sometimes on vacation. But for greater depth, there needs to be extended space and time away from the routine. It's critically valuable. So back to 2009, by the fall, the sabbatical had been scheduled to begin in spring of 2010, and I was preparing myself emotionally and psychologically for the time away from UUCC. In a session with my therapist that fall, as we were processing my inarticulate anxiety in anticipation of this sabbatical, I was feeling uncertain about what I would do with so much unscheduled time, I blurted, my calendar tells me who I am. <laughs> it was one of those things that I didn't know I believed until I heard myself saying it out loud. My calendar tells me who I am. When my calendar is full with meetings and commitments, then surely that means I'm important, competent, needed, valuable, successful. Something shifted for me that day, hearing myself say those words out loud, and I began to understand better why I didn't just get to take a sabbatical, but why I needed to take that sabbatical. And the same is true now. It's been eight years since that last sabbatical in 2015, even though the letter of agreement calls for sabbatical every four to seven years. The fact is that for the health and vitality of this congregation, we need this sabbatical. To explore with more depth and spaciousness the questions of who we are, who am I without you, day in and day out? Who are you without me, day in and day out? What are our individual and shared needs? What needs to change? What needs to be maintained? These questions are important in an ongoing relationship, whether a ministry or relationship is five years old or 20 years old, whether it has a few days left or 12 years left. 
Some of the benefit of the upcoming sabbatical is happening already. As we prepare for me to be away for five months, we're thinking more critically about what are those things that I specifically do, sometimes without conscious thought, for worship and pastoral caregiving and relating to staff and our public witness, relationship with organizations outside of UUCC, things that are the work of the congregation, even as I'm filling the role for a time, things that are arguably shared ministries, whether the minister is physically present or not. So we're taking this time now to do things like revitalizing our worship associates team and our pastoral caregiving team who's meeting this afternoon. We're thinking about what sort of collaborative support the executive director and other staff members need. And if you want to be a part of any of that, especially the worship team or the caregiving team, let me know. In March, both in worship and through other media, I expect to share more specifically about what I plan to do during the sabbatical that will begin in April. But for now, I'm simply reminding myself and you that inertia and habit and entrenched neural pathways are very powerful forces. And it's in our collective best interest to deliberately interrupt those habits, to reorient ourselves, to begin anew. I am more confident now than I was in 2009 that my calendar does not tell me who I am, that I'm not defined by my busy or lack of a busy schedule. But it is still time again to ask, who am I outside of that? What does this next chapter of ministry offer to me, to you, to us, within UUCC and beyond it? I'm confident that the time away is going to be refreshing and restorative and that our reunion in September will be sweet and welcome. Thank you. And now we're going to hear from Kirsten and Jill for a little bit more about what this sabbatical time is going to mean for you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kirsten Nelson. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm honored to be speaking to you today on behalf of the sabbatical team. So according to the Unitarian Universalist Ministers Association, sabbatical leave is an investment that the congregation makes in the future of the ministry. Therefore, sabbatical leave benefits the congregation as well as the minister. In an NPR story on Talk of the Nation titled, Clergy Members Suffer from Burnout and Poor Health, Robin Swift, the former director of health programs at the Clergy Health Initiative with Duke University Divinity School, discussed a study that showed priests, ministers, rabbis, imams are generally driven by a sense of duty to answer calls for help. But research shows in many cases they rarely find time for themselves. CHI at Duke University conducts extensive research on US clergy physical and mental well-being. In a 2016 study published in the Journal for Scientific Study of Religion, they summarized well, which factors might protect clergy against problems such as emotional exhaustion, depression, anxiety, and which factors might improve their positive mental health. The study recommended churches put resources towards proactively promoting clergy's positive mental health, which can further serve as a preventative against physical and psychological concerns. 
One key way to encourage positive mental health is by providing an extended time for renewal, study, and strengthening family conditions. In another multi-year program, CHI worked to assess and improve the health of well-being of United Methodist clergy in North Carolina. It compared the health of these clergy members with that of people with similar demographic characteristics using longitudinal survey, biometric data, focus groups and interviews, as well as wellness intervention and behavioral health study. One part of the study focused on flourishing clergy. What tools were flourishing clergy using that set them apart from those that struggled? The study found that that, that the study found that they were intentional and strategic about 11 specific things. First, they focus on working in alignment with their beliefs. They create time for discernment. They prioritize healthy behaviors. They invest in spiritual care. They make time for personal interests. They set boundaries around their work and personal lives. They use space creatively. They create clearly and regularly. They manage their technology and take time to unplug. They find support from other clergy and they seek out emotional support from family and friends. During Reverend Page's sabbatical, she will take time to work on many of the things on this list and UUCC will benefit right along with her. Thank you. Good morning, UUCC. I'm Jill Christensen. I use she and her. You know, in our kitchen, I've kept a magnet, this magnet, on the fridge for at least two decades. It's offered me valuable reflection and always grabs comments from visitors to our house. As I was raising Hannah, it beckoned me to just breathe during the tween and teen years as our family member Brian needed to move on and change his career, he reflected on it with good wisdom too. And now, life with Pamela and I at home, it's a fixture of our fridge, surrounded by a collage of photos of dear family and friends. This little magnet is a reminder of love and growth and change. And it reads, listen to your inner voice, trust your intuition, your deep inner wisdom. For when the time is right, your heart will always tell you what you seek to know. Looking back, when we had our 2010 sabbatical committee, there were many familiar names, some of whom continue to be very active in UUCC today. There was Bill Alter, Cindy Parr, Becky Reese, Mary Rogers, she was our chair, Ned Tillman, and Maureen Harris. Familiar names if you've been around. At that point, I was UUCC president, and Reverend Page was preparing for a six-month leave, which included three months of sabbatical, maternity leave, yeah, we got Sarah, <laughs> and summer leave. As a congregation, we approach the sabbatical as a time of discernment, reflections and insight for both Reverend Page and for us as the congregation. 
we focused on building our relational skills, community building, ties, and soul searching. We as a congregation benefited from the sabbatical, which resulted in stronger resolve of the us of members, friends, Reverend Page, and staff together on our spiritual journeys. Often, UU ministers do take sabbaticals, and the term discernment pops up. Merriam-Webster defines discernment as insight, the ability to understand inner qualities and relationships. For example, the discernment to know when someone is a true friend. Discernment provides time for UU clergy and others who take sabbatical to go on inward, deep, and reflect on themselves and their calling. Discernment is also for all of us. As we pause and take time to really reflect, who are we that belong, belong together in the Unitarian Congregation of Columbia? Why do we come here and connect, be that on Sundays, in person, or online? to the choir, to perhaps climate change and climate action, religious education, the creativity circle, or other reasons. It's a time to reflect. We've been in relationship with Reverend Paige Getty for 20 years now, 20, two decades. Just as sabbatical time for her is stipulated in her contract, that's an important clause, of course, that sabbatical be taken. It's a commitment also, which is important to remind you, that she commits to us should, as the sabbatical is taken, an additional year of service to our congregation. Life will move ahead with its unpredictable joys and sorrows, in congregational life, plus we'll reflect more. In our UUCC congregation, as we prepare for Paige's sabbatical, may she and we listen to our inner voices, trust our intuition, our deeper inner wisdom. For when the time is right, our hearts will always tell us what we seek to know. As a member of the congregation and as a member of your sabbatical team, I look forward to this journey that we're on together. Please rise as you are able and we will share hymn 83 together, Winds Be Still.
Now is our time, you may be seated, please. Now is the time for our joys and sorrows, when we are able to share meaningful things going on in our lives with our community. We can all hold space with open minds and open hearts as we listen to what people have to say. I've placed one more pebble in the water to honor all of those things that you're holding, either because they don't have the words or they're still so raw, but they're in your heart. Will you join me now for a few moments of reflection and prayer? Holy, loving spirit, that which holds us in this community with each other on this earth. May we know that we are worthy of love. May we be strengthened in our worry and our fear and our grief. May those we love who have died too soon be held in precious memory that inspires us to live our lives as fully as we can. May we have the courage that we need 
to move forward with hope, with love, seeking justice for all. And may we now share a moment of the fullest silence of stillness that our prayers might be fully known. Blessed be. Amen. rise as you are able and I will share the benediction and then we will share the benediction response together.
but let me share with you a quote. <laughs> rest is not stillness, rest is not idleness. And to lie sometime on the grass under trees on a summer's day, listening to the murmur of the water or watching the clouds float across the sky is by no means a waste of time. John Lubbock, The Use of Life. Go in peace. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace.
Everything starts on the inside before it comes on the outside. 